there's a really difficult conversation that happens often in the ethical and fair trade space. And it's a conversation around respect and getting rid of a savior complex when it comes to sharing the stories of artisans and men and women in vulnerable situations. It's a fine line to walk. The stories of these beautiful people are important and they should be heard, but they should never be exploited for sales or personal gain. Seeing these artisans for the people that they are, the humans that they are, and how they deserve respect and dignity in all situations, it's, it's so important. It's not about going in and that being that rich American or rich first world person saving them from their plight. It's about empowering them and lifting them up to share their talents and skills with the world. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, community leader, or just an amazing person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Abby Alley, the founder of Zuri Collection. Abby and I had an amazing conversation and we tackled everything from discussing how we should be sharing the stories of artisans to what it really looks like to humble ourselves and listen. This is an episode you are not going to want to miss a second of. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Abby. Hey, Abby, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you on the show, and I'm so excited to get to know you. It's it, like one of the things that I just look forward to so much about this podcast and doing this podcast is I feel like I get to make so many new friends all across the country and the world. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I always like to tell people it's as though we are sitting down to coffee or let's be honest I don't drink coffee so a diet coke you or, don't oh, or talk so. I know I'm I know I'm <laughs> weird people always say to me what you don't drink coffee probably healthier so. well I drink diet <laughs> coke so I don't know that it's really that much of a trade-off so it's fine <laughs> I say life is all about balance exactly <laughs> I'm like anything in moderation I exercise I eat well and I drink diet coke it's fine <laughs> although okay. On a side note, I digress, but it's really funny because I had a friend the other day, or actually multiple friends, who have sent me this um, article about this woman who just turned 104, and she, oh I mean, she's 104, and she doesn't look a day over 85. Like, I mean, so she looks old, but I would not say that she looks 104, and she's still pretty active, and she she says she attributes her longevity to her daily Diet Cokes, which ah, I just think is hilarious. There you go. There ah, you go. I know. And then all my friends have sent it to me, and they're like, see, maybe she has the secret she's fountain of youth. She's onto something. She's onto something. So maybe, maybe you'll luck out, too. I'm like, hey, it's all, again, <laughs> life's all about balance. Anyway, I digress. So, Abby, we are yeah. going to get past the discussion of coffee and Diet Coke, and we're going to dive right in and get to know you and Zuri Collection. So I'm going to have you kick us off and do what all my guests do, and that's give us the Abby 101. So tell us your story, and then for those that are unfamiliar with Zuri Collection, tell us all about what you and Zuri Collection do. Sure. Okay. Um, So I've been listening to some of your podcasts for, uh, you know, probably like six months now and and it's always this part is always so fun to kind of hear people's backstories it is I'll try not to ramble on and on feel free to just cut me off anytime you are Um, good (laughs) so I am from Chicago um I grew up in the suburbs and I I've really always lived here um in Chicago I went to Northwestern which is right here in Evanston which is like right outside Chicago um, and then I, right after college, I taught, um, in the city for about six years. And, um, so yeah. And then I've been living in the city. Um, I'm in Logan square right now, um, for the past like 12 years, I feel like it's crazy how fast time flies. It really does. Uh, yeah. Like I had my 10 year college reunion a few years ago and I just, that, that snuck up on me and I just couldn't believe how fast time, time flies. But, um, so anyways, um, my, my sort of life with fair trade kind of began, um, let's see, maybe about, 
gosh, this is 2018, almost about five years ago, I would say, um, my family took a kind of a family vacation um, to Tanzania on safari. And that was um, probably the most amazing experience ever. Um, We spent about two weeks out in the bush in the Serengeti. And I just fell in love with the culture and with the country. And um, about a year and a half later, I decided to actually go teach in Tanzania. And so I spent like three months there only, but um, it was sort of enough time to really kind of dive in and really get to know people and feel like I could really experience what daily life was like. Um, I lived with a family and then taught in a local school. Um, And it was really through that experience that I um, started to understand a little bit more about global poverty. Um, Forever, I had been so invested in um, sort of urban issues um, here in Chicago. And it was really that experience that kind of opened my eyes to to more of the global injustice that was going on. Um, and, and really, I was only able to scratch the surface. I was only there for a few months. So yeah. I had a lot of learning yeah. to do, but definitely piqued my interest. And, um, and I feel like God really grew my heart in that way. And when I got back, uh, I sort of started thinking, so I was about, I was 30 years old when I had did that experience. And I was started thinking to myself, gosh, like, what 30-year-old gets to just like kind of take a hiatus in their career, have this experience, and like I, I want to now do something. Like what what can I now do um, so that that's not just like a blip in my life? Right. Um, so I started just like praying about it, thinking about it. And, you know, of course, I was really thinking along lines of education because that's really what my background is in. Mm-hmm. But that really, um, I wasn't really feeling any sort of pull in that way. I didn't really want to just pick up and move there full time, um, nor did I feel like that was um, sort of like a call um, for me to do that. And so um, as sort of like the weeks kind of kept going by, I then learned about Noonday Collection. And I know you know about Noonday. Yeah, yeah. Jessica, is a, she is amazing. And I've been yeah. a huge fan of them for a long time. Yeah, so I became an ambassador actually with Noonday. Um, awesome. the fall of 2014. So, so then for, for about two and a half years, I was a noonday ambassador and gosh, that just opened my eyes so much to really what fair trade is doing in communities. Um, and really more, even the power of our purchases, like that, everything that we buy, you know, from our coffee to my shoes, to mm-hmm. the pillow I put on my couch, you yes. know, everything, like thinking about the whole supply chain behind that was, you know, I had sort of known about fair trade, but I sort of, I hadn't really, really gotten into it and really understood um, just the whole story of every single person that is behind every single product. Um, And then I think like many people in the fair trade world, the the documentary, The True Cost, was recommended to me, I think, probably by another ambassador. Yes. And so I watched that. It was the fall of 20, I think it was 2015 that I watched that. And that was one of those things that, you know, once you see something, you can't unsee it. Yes. Uh, Once you learn something, you can't unlearn it. So that, for me, was a huge turning point. And I think just prior to that, I had also read the book – called Half the Sky. I don't know. Yes. And we, I have talked about that book to so many people. Okay. And I have even, I think I've actually, I know I've spoken about it on this podcast a couple of times too, because it's, yeah, it's one of those books that once you read it, you, you can't unread it, if that makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. So for those listening, obviously you need to watch The True Cost and read Half the Sky. So just saying. Highly recommend. (laughs) Highly recommend. Yeah. And in the book, in the book Half the Sky, I remember, I think it was in this book. I was trying to remember if it was a book or if it was like Half the Sky did a documentary too that I watched. I can't remember exactly where I heard this, but Whomever said it said that, you know, we are implicated in the lives of people, even if we don't know them and even if we don't know that we are. And it just made me think about, you know, the injustices that are going on, you know, in the fashion industry and really in any sort of like garment industry, um, you know, and all over the world. And the things that I might be doing that I might not even know that I'm doing that are impacting in a negative way lives, um, countless lives. And so just made me start thinking about my own choices as a consumer um, 
made me that much more passionate about my work as a Noonday ambassador. But then it really had me start thinking about, okay, I know all these people in Tanzania who, um, you know, the biggest thing I saw when I was living there was so many people have a skill, whether it's an artisanship or whether it's, um, you know, farming or, or whatever. And it was just the lack of jobs. And, right. you know, I would see these sweet moms, you know, sitting on the side of the road with their, with their congas, which was like their, um, fabric that they'd you know, wrap their skirts in, but then they'd have extra put down with their tomatoes or their avocados or whatever they had been growing. And, you know, I'd, I'd walk to school and there they would sit selling them. Then I'd walk home from school and they'd still be sitting there selling them. And, you know, a lot of times it didn't look like they sold more than a couple tomatoes a day. And um, it just really had me thinking, like, here they are working as hard as they can, but there's just not enough customers. Right. Um, so anyways, um, as I was learning more and more about fair trade, started thinking about, okay, what would it, what would it mean to – do something in this country that I love where I've made relationships. Um, what would it be like to, I don't know, create more opportunity for, for them to sell their products here? So actually a couple of noon ambassadors were really helpful for me in the early stages of just helping me sort of be encouraged to even dream in this way. I felt like, who am I to have these ideas? Like, what am I doing? I'm a teacher. I don't know the first thing about having a business but um, Annie Phillips, I don't know if you know the Sparrow Studio, but yes, Annie yes, Phillips, she's amazing. Um, was, yeah, so she was one of the first people I talked about, and she was one of, or one of the first people I talked about um, Zuri with, and she was just so encouraging and really made me think it was something that was worth doing, and made me think that it was something I could do. So um, I'm just so thankful for some of those women early on who were encouraging and cheering me on. Um, in these initial thoughts. And then, um, the summer of 2016, I went back to Tanzania to see like, okay, could this even be a possibility? I had created an LLC and done sort of the things I needed to do on that end and booked a flight and said some prayers like, God, if you want me to do this, will you create an opportunity for me to meet someone for me to feel like when I come home, I have a solid relationship with someone and um, he delivered, and he really opened doors for me to work with about five different groups. And wow. so, yeah, so I felt like, okay, this is a go. I'm going to do this. And then um, October 2016 is when I launched the website. Um, and so we work with um, men and women in Tanzania and Kenya, and um, we sell mostly bags and baskets and some jewelry. And, yeah, we're about a year and a couple months in, and – so, yeah, that's kind of the story. I think it's amazing. And the fact that, like you said, after you went to Tanzania for that time, and I think what your story is as far as, I mean, obviously not everybody goes to Tanzania and spends yeah. <laughs> three months there. But I feel like on a larger, more, you know, if we're really looking at it on a larger scale or on a more like kind of broad metaphorical scale, everybody has that experience in their life that changes them in some way, whether mm -hmm. it's they go on an international trip or they go on a missions trip or are they, you know, they volunteer in their community or they mm -hmm. meet somebody completely different from them and really learn a lot. Or, you know, maybe it's just a really bad experience at a job. <laughs> I mean, there's just... Yeah. There's all these types of events in our lives that shape how we view and how we see the world. And so often we leave those experiences wanting to see something different or wanting to do something different. And, you know, maybe, I mean, just thinking about the current, you know, climate of our culture mm -hmm. and our country right now. I mean, there's so much, you know, I don't want to get political, but there's just so much tension right now in our country. And people, people want to see the good in others. They want people to come together and unify and all this kind of stuff. And so you have these people who are just sort of mouths on social media and in newspapers and on TV and, you know, at around the dinner table, you have people who are mouths and they say things and they're like, well, this should change and this should change and something should happen here. But instead, you know, 
who are the people that are actually getting up and doing something and saying, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to not just sit here and be a, a mouthpiece for this. I'm going to actually do something. And so I, I say all that to say that there's a, it's a broader issue of when you have a life-changing experience or you see an injustice in the world or you see an opportunity, instead of just sitting back and saying, ah, man, somebody should really do something about it, yeah. getting up and saying, oh, maybe that person is me. Yeah. Um, and so I really admire that you were just, you took that initiative because so many people don't. And so many people have that idea. They have that million dollar idea and they sit on it and then they take yeah. it to their grave <laughs> and then they say, what if? Um, yeah. So I, I think that's, I think that's really amazing. And um, the fact that you were just able to really persevere and push through um, the challenges I think is, is incredible. Thanks. You know, I think, like you said, uh, I was totally nervous to, you know, venture out and start a business because it's something so outside my comfort zone. Um, but I, I just remember being so grateful for the opportunity to be in Tanzania and remember thinking, you know, not everyone gets to do this. And, and so I can't just let this opportunity pass me by to be able to, you know, be a voice, to be advocating for people, to shine a light on fair trade, um, and even to expose people to the culture in Tanzania and in Kenya. I mean, those are some of the most beautiful places I've ever been with Mm -hmm. some of the most beautiful people I've ever met. And, you know, I just think um, to make the world a smaller place and to make the world a more um, accepting and loving place, it's like we have to build connections because, you know, when we, when we know someone, when we have a common understanding of someone, then then fear isn't allowed to grow. You know, we can we come from a place of compassion when we when we have a, you know, a common bond. Um, so, yeah, so I'm really I'm hoping to be able to, you know, I feel like I, I started Zuri with sort of two missions. You know, one was to really provide um, like higher end, really well made pieces that are fair trade. I really wanted to kind of dispel the the myth that fair trade pieces are 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 just crafty or like yeah. oh is that sweet, you know, yeah. they make that by hand. And I really wanted to show the quality of products and the ingenuity and the creativity and um and and just the amazing level at which these men and women are able to design and make things. Um, they're so resourceful, so resilient. And and whether or not an item is fair trade, I wanted it to sort of be like, oh, and guess what? It's also fair trade, but like I have to have that bag because they yes. like it so much. Yes. Um, yes. And I have that co- exact conversation with so many people because yeah. I think that is such a common thread among people who are passionate about fair trade yeah. and ethical <laughs> because we're just like, no, it's not. It's it's we almost it's almost like you want to be product first because you want right. people to fall in love with the product and then know that their purchase is making a difference. You don't want exactly. you don't want a pity purchase. And, exactly. And the artisans don't want a pity purchase. Right. No, they really don't. They really want you to like it and they take so much pride in their work and they do. And they're certainly like so excited to see when, you know, our customers like their products, but they also for sure want the feedback if there's something they can make it better or, um, you know, tweak it in one way or another. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So I have spent a lot of time in Kenya and, Mm. um, I have, um, just some, I've developed some relationships there. I mean, I call them my family, like they're my, my sisters and brothers from another mothers and misters. And like, I just love them so much. And, um, I've been, working with a nonprofit there that is um, through my church, but it's an amazing nonprofit that has um, Kenyan run. It's, you know, obviously we have, you know, sort of the U.S. team, but, you know, they, mm-hmm. there's a team, the Kenyan team that is on the ground running it. And one of the things, I mean, it's very early stages, but we've been working on um, sort of incorporating an artisan group type aspect into mm-hmm. into this. And it's been really interesting as I have now personally been learning how to balance that side of things of, like you were saying, how do you balance 
encouraging them to take pride in their work because they do. But then when Mm -hmm. something does need improvement or, you know, how do you balance that of being Mm -hmm. of you want them to produce a better product when you're like, okay, this is a good start, but this is not sellable. So how do you encourage like explaining that to them in like a way that I'm proud of you. You are coming a long way. You're doing great. I can't sell this. So right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's a really, but that's a challenge. And in a lot of ways, it's created great conversations because now it's giving them an opportunity to say, okay, how can we improve and we refine our own skills? And how do we, you know, it's it's also encouraging them to take initiative among each other. And it's it's amazing to watch them challenge each other as mm-hmm colleagues and you know when one woman is really excelling in beadwork and another woman is really excelling in textiles and sewing um, they really take that leadership on and the other women follow suit because they want to learn and they want to get better and so that's so cool to see when they start to really just grow and they become autonomous because you don't want them to depend on you at any time right right but yeah it's it's a challenge and I think what you have done is is a really great example of balancing you know working with these groups but also just creating beautiful products thanks I think you know for me what was important in like the design you know portion of it is Mm -hmm. to make sure that Um, The design reflects um, some cultural aspects, but also that um, that it would be sellable to a kind of a more mainstream market here. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's always a balance because, you know, I guess even just colors are a lot more bright and vibrant in um, Kenya and Tanzania. And and here oftentimes, you know, if if I'm left to choose between the black sweater and the purple sweater, I'm probably going to choose the black one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's just safer. We tend to go for neutrals um, unless, you know, you're looking for that statement piece. But so that's the conversation that we're always having um, with some of our artisan partners is just the American taste <laughs> and the American style and really wanting to make sure that it has nothing to do with something that's better or worse. It's just something that's different. Uh, and we can have a good laugh about it. You know, like, oh, silly Americans. We like things plain or you yes. know, things like that. Yeah, they always, <laughs> yeah, we have very hilarious conversations about that because they're just like, why? Why don't you like that? And Yeah. But it's funny, though, because while I do tend to reach for neutrals, like I personally love 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 like African wax print fabric and katenge fabric which is Mm -hmm. um if you you know for listeners who don't know what that is it's the kind of the typical fabric that you think of when you think of African prints and -hmm. they're just beautiful and bright and bold and so it's it's funny because I do typically in my day-to-day wardrobe like I have color in my wardrobe but I do tend to prefer I think more neutral pieces that then I dress up, I think with like really bright earrings or really bright necklace or a bright bag. And so I I tend to reach for those. Like every time I go to Kenya, I'm like, take me to the fabric market. You have to. It's my favorite place. It's the most, like it just makes you so happy as you walk through. You're like, I will take this fabric and I will take this fabric and I'll take this fabric because it's I know. There's so many beautiful ones. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So we do have some products made with Kitenge, but, um, you know, I think for, for most of our customers, there's only so many pieces that they're going to buy that have Kitenge. So, you know, we're always looking to help, um, to help those artists and partners who are our seamstresses kind of help them branch out to see what other materials they can use and mix and match, maybe throw in some canvas or some leather to sort of elevate um, the look or even just, you know, hopefully have a, a little bit more of a broad spectrum of things that they can make and sell, even even in their own shop there in Tanzania. Um, you know, it just helps to constantly be improving your craft. Absolutely. I also love the name. So Zuri oh, means beautiful in Swahili. Yeah. And I just think that is such a – it's – I mean, not to like belabor the point. It's a beautiful way to (laughs) tie it all together and, uh, you know, to really showcase 
the artisans, showcase the the work, showcase the whole story. Um, did is that what made you like? Did the name come to you right away, or where did you? When did you decide on the name? Yeah, so. You know, I've, actually, at first, I was tossing around the name um, Nafasi, which means opportunity. Ooh. And uh, people could just could not remember it. Like, my family members, my friends, they, they kept saying, like, Nasafi, like, what? So I was like, okay, that's not going to work. <laughs> so then, <laughs> um, then, yes, came across Zuri. And so Zuri, um, like, can mean beautiful and it can mean good in different you know, context in Swahili. Yeah. And so either way, um, it was kind of the perfect, perfect word to sum up, um, sort of the heart behind the vision of the company. Um, I really, I, I wanted something, you know, this, this may get to be a long story, but I am really passionate about making sure that the stories I tell and, and how we tell the stories of our artists and partners, um, that they don't come across in any sort of way of like, oh, like, good job us Americans for mm. helping mm-hmm. Africans. Yeah. Um, I just, I really want to be cognizant of of the way the messaging comes across. And, and so I felt like with Zuri, um, meaning beautiful or meaning good, and I kind of went with the beautiful route um, because I just, I feel so strongly that the stories of the women and men and, and of the countries that we're working in, they are so beautiful. And sometimes like in our brokenness is really where the beauty is. And, you know, we all have broken stories, whether we're from, you know, Chicago or from Tanzania or from anywhere else in the world. And, um, and so I, I really want to create this, um, I guess, uh, connection where it, it doesn't feel so far away that when we, um, you know, when our customers learn more and more about our artists and partners, that they can really resonate with their stories and they can see themselves in their stories and they can understand that we really are more similar than we are different and that there's beauty in every in every story, in every situation. Um, and then in the products themselves is, um, you know, sort of like wearing the bag or having the baskets in your home is, is being able to sort of share this beautiful story um, with, with whomever is in your life, you know, sort of like bringing the story, um, across the world, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I would actually love, if you don't mind, I would love to kind of dive into that for kind of that topic for a few minutes, because I think it's an important topic and it's one that I I feel honestly that I've grazed over with a few people on the podcast, but I haven't talked necessarily a little more extensively about it um, because this is an issue I too am extremely passionate about. And that is again, respecting the messaging that brands, especially in the fair trade and ethical space take Um, because, and I, and I think especially like I was mentioning earlier, the, the climate that we live in, Mm -hmm. we need to be careful and I say we, like I just say collectively, we need to be careful Mm -hmm. as to how we are approaching things and we're not treating, you know, we're being sensitive to how people's stories are being told. I mean, everything from everything from, um, you know, this a survivor of human trafficking to Mm -hmm. um, a sexual assault victim, which is obviously very timely right now um, to the story of somebody rising from poverty in America Mm -hmm. or internationally. And it is, it's so it's delicate because you want to be able to tell these stories. Right. But you, but you know, even more importantly, you want them to be, you want their story to be respected and honored. Oh, even, I even had this conversation with somebody else about adoption and Mm. the, you know, adopted children and, adopt the parents of adopted children not you know almost exploiting the story of their adopted kids if that makes sense and I've heard so often from adoptive parents when they just say you know you know oh I adopted my daughter from Haiti Um, I'm not going to share anything else because her her story is hers to share when she's ready Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I I think that's amazing and I think that's a really important discussion as to why that's important and so I don't know if you'd like to kind of share a little bit from your perspective as somebody who 
has, you know, you worked in Tanzania, you launched this business, you are working with artisans in both Tanzania and Kenya. What has that experience been like for you? Where did you kind of first learn about it? And why is it, in your opinion, important? Yeah. Um, gosh, so many things in my head right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of a heavy topic, but <laughs> how do I organize my thoughts? I think it's, I think it, like I said, I think it's important to, to talk about it and, and explain why it's something that's so important. Yeah, I think, uh, okay, I'm going to say something that, you know, people may not love, but I've been learning a lot about my white privilege, Mm -hmm. um, in the past few years. And, um, yeah, so I guess that has been just sort of like on the forefront of my mind, um, with, you know, things domestically with the Black Lives Matter movement Mm -hmm. and just sort of like you're saying the ongoing sort of culture that we're living in. Um, and just trying to be more and more cognizant and aware of my, of my privilege, just, just because I'm white. Um, not that I've done anything to deserve it or to earn it. It just is what it is. Yes. Um, and so because of that, you know, I think we've probably all heard stories of like the, the white savior complex, Mm -hmm. um, where, uh, you know, people may think, um, I'm going to go to this, to this country and, and probably very well meaning, yeah. but I'm going to go to this country, whether it's, you know, in Africa or in Asia or wherever. Um, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go help those people, those poor people. And without really understanding the people who are there. Yes. Um, and so, I th- there is a book called When Helping Hurts. Yes, yes. And I yes. can't remember who wrote that book. Yes, I have that um, book. And it's I tell anybody who's going on a mission trip to read it before they go. It's required reading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. It is I by, that, I'm writing, uh, I'm, I just Googled it, When Helping Hurts. Okay. Um, without, it's alleviating the poverty, alleviating poverty without hurting the poor and yourself. And it's by Steve <laughs> Corbett, C-O-R-B-E-T-T. And I will have the link to where you can get this book in the show notes. It's on Amazon. You can get it pretty much anywhere. Um, another one I'm going to just say real quick uh, yeah. is Toxic Charity. Oh, I've heard of that one. And it's um, the subtitle is How Churches and Charities Hurt Those They Help and How to Reverse It. Yeah, Those two books in and of themselves have, they've vastly impacted my um my approach to like even when I go to Kenya and I've been three times now and I have deep relationships with people there that I mean they you know when when some of them have Mm -hmm. come here they they come to my home and I mean I have relationships with these people so but even still it 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 is how I see the the world and my the lens Mm -hmm. I see things through so yes um, one helping hurts and toxic charity again I will have the links to those two books in the show notes I'll have to read toxic charity I haven't read that one but I think that the kind of the, I don't know, one of the takeaways um, is that we really need to position ourselves as learners mm-hmm. and listeners when we come from positions of privilege, um, rather than people who think that they can, they have the answers, they they can go in and help and change things and fix things, even if it's totally well-meaning. Um, there there needs to be a more of a position of humility. And that the people who actually live in those places know what those places need way mm-hmm. better than me or anyone who, you know, may live here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess with all that in mind, um, you know, I, I just want to always be cognizant of that Zuri is um, that I'm not the one making these products. The people who are making these products are the ones who should be celebrated are the ones who should be deserving of any credit. And there, there isn't this, this isn't a charity. This isn't like, um, we are buying these products and like, Oh, good job us. Like we're helping these people. Certainly the purchasing of Zuri products is helpful for their businesses. Absolutely. And that is something to be, to feel good about. But, um, you know, sometimes I feel like in fair trade, the sadder the story, the the more, like, the more people want to buy, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's like, 
I don't want people to see the, the people that I'm working with as a sad story. You know, I want people to see these people for who they really are. These amazing, um, talented, just genius people. And, you know, the goal is for them to, to be able to gain more and more opportunities. Like I, I don't want them to stay in poverty. And so it's like, I want to be able to tell their success stories Yes. and for it not to feel like, Oh, okay, well, they're not really in need anymore. (laughs) So let's move on to something else. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, if their business is being is successful in Kenya or in Tanzania, then guess what? That means they can hire more people. That means their communities are going to be flourishing that much more. That means their kids can go to a better school. Amen. You know, so I guess um, I guess that's kind of where I'm coming from. Absolutely, I highly recommend going. And do you know um, Clothed in Hope? Um, that sounds familiar. So Clothed in Hope, Amy Barty is the founder, and I. So she was on episode 32 last April. And one of the things they work in Zambia. And one of the things I loved about her is that she very intentionally essentially worked her way out of a job. That's awesome. But she I mean, she obviously still does fundraising. They are actually a 501c3. And she still does fundraising here on the American side. But she was in Zambia for a long time. Not a long time, but uh, you know, quite a quite a bit of time. And her yeah. whole goal was to get clothed in hope and the women in Zambia completely self sustaining to the point that yeah. if she needed to step away, they would still be successful and they would still be able to run on their own. And they're at that point. And so she talked about how it was a very strange feeling to work her way out of a job and work her way out of needing to be there. Um, So she then came back to the States and Mm -hmm. she's now here and does, you know, the fundraising side and does a lot of the marketing here on the state side. But as far as Clothed in Hope in Zambia, they are... They're running smooth. That's like that's, that's there. Awesome. And, and and so we had a really fun conversation about what that looked like and why that was so important to her because that is ultimately what is sustainable. And that's one of my goals with kind of the the project that I'm working on right now is how do we get to that point of mm-hmm. creating an opportunity where they're completely self-sustainable and I'm not needed and we're not yeah. needed. And it's not like I, I say that in like it's not like I'm needed right now. But, no, totally. But yeah, where they they if you stepped away, that their business would still be flourishing. Correct, and really, you know, and I don't like to sound this. I feel like this sounds all like Christianese, but I mean, like really, truly coming alongside <laughs> them and figuring out, okay, here you have these amazing skills, and you have this beautiful talent for again, whether it's beadwork or jewelry or design or, um, you know. Uh, sewing, tailoring, you have this incredible talent now, but you're, you are needing more support in how to actually run a business. And and that's the same type of support we need here. Because exactly. I, that's just normal support. Exactly. When I set out <laughs> and ventured on my own to be my own, you know, be self-employed, I didn't know the first thing about business. I was an English right. major. Like, I taught high school English for a couple years. I was a comedian. Like, I didn't know the first thing about taxes and making sure that I was, you know, (laughs) filing my, you know, quarterly estimated taxes and keeping monthly books and a monthly business budget and how to hire people. I mean, I didn't know the first thing about that. So I I needed help. (laughs) I needed somebody to come alongside me and Thankfully, that's my husband and um, yes. my dear friend, Abby, who is my bookkeeper. And, you know, I, I've now gotten to the point where I'm like, OK, so I'm really terrible at this. So I'm going to hire somebody <laughs> so to, do else it, needs to do it to do it for me. But it's, yes. it's the same type of thing. And it's, it's going in there and really just saying, hey, you have a skill. You have a product. We have a market for mm-hmm. it. Exactly. How do we bridge the two? So I think that's such an important conversation to be having. And I, I I thank you for kind of sharing your, just your general thoughts on it. And I like what you said too about not having, being careful about not having that white savior complex and mm-hmm. seeing p- 
people for who they really are. And when I have this conversation with people, I say, I mean, just think about what if you were here and all of a sudden a group, you know, a missions group from India came over and came into your neighborhood and just told you how to do things. Exactly. Like how would you, that's what it's like. You would look at them and be like, like, we're all good here. We've got it under control. You crazy? What? what? You know, and so it's really more, how do you develop relationships? Mm -hmm. How do you see people for their differences and respect those differences? We Mm -hmm. all have strengths. We all have differences. And how do we bring those things together and make, you know, make something amazing? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think the biggest thing I've learned is just because it's not the way I did things doesn't mean it's a bad way to do things. Amen, girl. Amen. <laughs> Preach. Yeah. Preach. I'm just saying. Well, yeah. um, so before we transition into kind of the the lightning round portion of the podcast where I get to know you a little bit more and, and we just kind of have some fun... Um, I'm going to let everybody know that I will have the links to those books that we mentioned, the links to Zuri Collection and to connect with Abby in the show notes. So you can check all of that out. And I believe Abby is also going to have a coupon code for my listeners. So I will have that in the show notes as well. So yes. And just one more exciting thing that Zuri is, um, doing this season is we are transitioning from being just a retail shop online to a wholesale company. Ooh. So yeah. So I'm really excited for this spring summer collection, which will launch in February. So yeah, we're just, that's kind of like what's on the horizon and really looking forward to seeing how that goes. That's so exciting. I know. Yeah. We're going to bring our bags and our baskets. So we'll see. So exciting. It's the next, the next big step. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. So, Abby, this is the portion of the show where we just get to know each other a little bit better. And actually, I say I just get to know you a little bit better because let's be (laughs) Um, And so this is also the portion of the show where my husband, my lovely and talented. I'm just kidding about he's he's not. I mean, he is lovely, but let's be (laughs) handsome and talented. Husband (laughs) inserts his desired sound effect to transition us to the lightning round. Why are you looking at me like that? You're falling for this broad. No, I, I just met her. Exactly. I'm going to go. You can't go. Watch me. Watch me take this on down the road. Okay, so this first question is, if you could steal credit for any great piece of art, song, film, book, hmm. which one would you claim credit for? I'm choosing a category or an actual title. It could be an actual title. It could be either or. Like I actually had somebody give me an author. Like they just wish they could be this oh. author. Um, but I had somebody else who just gave me like a specific piece. Let's see. I think it would be really fun to be able to take credit for um, probably a song. I feel like that would be really cool to be able to be a songwriter. But I... I'm so not a songwriter and I'm not really not like a music. Like I don't even know like names of songs or names of singers. I'm really bad at that. So maybe I should go with a book or something like that. But I think it'd be really cool to be a singer. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody has that dream at some point in their lives where they're in the shower and they're like, I could totally be a multi-platinum record artist. Oh yeah. I definitely had that moment, but yeah. Lots of people have told me you cannot be, so <laughs> that's okay. I love it. All right. So since you're, you said you're not really, you know, you're not big into like specific artists. Uh, yeah, what, what do you listen to? Are you big on like audiobooks? Are you big on podcasts? And if so, if we hooked up your phone, what would be like recently played? Probably, um, I'm trying to think of... Uh, the what is it called um the how that how they built it oh podcast. How, how i built this how i built this yes yes that's a I great podcast listen to the one about um eileen fisher oh yeah i love eileen fisher she is yeah. a she is a goal guest to have on this show so if yes. any of you listening have connections to amazing. eileen she fisher. was really just like cool to listen to yes so any of you listening that know eileen fisher or have a connection Hook a sister up. 
because I'd love to interview her. <laughs> yes. Awesome. What is the one beauty product you can't live without? Ooh, this is fun. Um, okay. Do you know Beauty Counter? Yes, I love Beauty Counter. I was just uh, introduced to it by a friend and they have these face oils I don't know if you've seen those, but I don't even know what they're called, but they're called like face oils. And you might think that sounds crazy. Why am I putting oil on my face? But it's the the best thing in the world. Like I get out of the shower and you just like drop a couple drops into your palm, rub it oh, around. Yeah, it's like a, it's it almost like a face. serum. Like a serum. Yeah, it's so nice. Yes. I love it. They do feel very luxurious. Yeah. <laughs> and they smell awesome. really good too. Exactly. I love them. Yes. Okay. So now these are either or questions. So you just tell me which one of the two. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Left-handed or right-handed? Right-handed. Ooh, books or movies? Ooh, books. Travel by plane or by car? Plane. Would you rather visit Alaska or Australia? Uh, Alaska. Crushed ice or cubed ice? Crushed for sure. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Tacos or burritos? Ooh, it's uh, a hard one. I'm gonna go with crispy shell tacos. Oh, crispy you shell know. tacos. I like I'm it. Weirdo. Getting even more specific. No, I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan. I respect that. Thanks. <laughs> Italian food or Chinese food? Chinese food. Coffee or tea? Coffee for sure. Cake or pie? Oh, mm, you know, it's funny. I'm a huge dessert person, but I'm not really a cake or pie person. Oh, okay. I respect that. Like what kind of dessert? Are you like ice cream, cookies? um, Pretty much anything. Like I love donuts. Oh, donuts. Yes. cream. I love cookies. I love candy, like gummy candy. (laughs) Yes. And and because this is just top of mind, because all of my friends' kids are selling Girl Scout cookies right now, are you a Girl Scout cookie person? Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. What what is your like Girl Scout cookie flavor of choice? Okay, I know everyone's gonna hate me because it's not Thin Mints, but um, <laughs> the they used to be called Samoas when I was a kid. I'm pretty sure, but I think they're car- caramel delights now. So the one with coconut. Fun fact. I did not know this because I grew up and they were Samoas, just like the peanut butter ones were Tagalongs. Yeah. uh Right. So because down here in North Carolina, they're peanut butter patties and they're caramel delights. Oh, so and I was like, excuse me, what happened to Tagalongs? And they're like, oh, those are the peanut butter patties. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need Tagalongs. So I learned that there are two. What are they called? Like distributors. Or like oh. two f- different factories that supply Girl Scout cookies. So it's regional. It's regional oh. specific. Oh, interesting. Yes. So like one Girl Scout cookie plant makes Tagalong, <laughs> Samoas, all of that. And then another one makes peanut butter patties, caramel delights, you know, see. that jazz. And so it's like it's regional. So I because I, I had somebody up in Virginia. We're like, no, ours are still called Tagalongs. I'm like, what is this? like blasphemy I don't know I don't understand so is tagalong tagalongs are your cookie tagalongs uh, yeah I do now I do love Samoas tagalongs are like that's my vice like if you I don't care how good I've been on a diet if somebody like puts a box of tagalongs in front of my face I'm like yep I'm gonna eat the whole thing like well peanut butter and chocolate you can't go wrong (laughs) I'm going big or going home now and the other thing too is like people are like what you don't like thin mints here's my weird thing about thin mints is Thin Mints are fine yeah, as a cookie. Yeah, they're fine. That's how I feel too. my preference actually for eating them is frozen. Yes, definitely. Put them in I'm the freezer you. and then I can only eat them when they're frozen. Like if they're warm, I'm like, meh. It's I a waste totally of calories. I agree 100%. Thank you. I don't know I, what it is, but they have to be cold. I feel so justified right now because <laughs> people will be like, what? Why don't you want to eat a Thin Mint warm? And I'm like, it's just, it's a waste it's of calories. Different. I don't yeah. ex- I don't appreciate it, but if it's cold and then you dip that bad boy in some vanilla ice cream. Oh, now you're talking. I'm mm-hmm. just saying you m- if <laughs> like you're it. not a Christian already, you might be born again. I'm just saying like you might I like it. That's just awesome. it's a holy experience. <laughs> <laughs> but they make that Girl Scout cookie ice cream now. 
Oh, I have not seen that. Yes, it's. I don't know which grocery stores carry it, but some grocery stores carry it, and it's like I think it's um, Briars maybe that has oh, teamed up with Girl that Scouts. Genius of them to do oh, that. I, I know, but there's <laughs> there's a tag along ice cream that's like a peanut butter and chocolate ice cream with like chunks of tagalongs in it. Oh my gosh! Oh man! Heaven help me! Heaven help me! I'm trying like not to eat any sugar right now. <laughs> And oh, here good I am luck. sitting here having like a five minute conversation about cookies. <laughs> it's <a> withdrawal. <laughs> I know. And all the people listening to this podcast are now going to go find their like, nearest Girl Scout. Girl Scout cookie ad. I know. <laughs> hey, it's fine. It's top of mind. It's that time of year. But totally that's another fine. thing. I was talking to one of my friend's moms, um, or what, one of my friend's moms my friend and she's a mom of a girl scout and i was like why because i was a girl scout as a kid too why do they pick this time of year i feel like it's the worst time of year to be trying to sell cookies yeah because it's like it's cold and then everybody's on a diet <laughs> yes everyone's like trying to do new year's resolutions right. and then the girl scouts are like girl scout eat our cookies <laughs> i'm just saying i don't know anyway abby this was so much fun i love that we can talk about everything from white privilege to girl scout cookies so yeah. we really ran the gamut <laughs> i like it no, but I really do think, I mean, all jokes aside, I think it's an important conversation to have. And I really respect um, your approach to it. And I think it's a conversation more and more people need to be having because yeah. it's conversations like this that get people thinking and get people actually stepping out and making changes and, you know, approaching people differently and respecting each other's uh, unique gifts and talents um, and the way that God made us so beautiful and so unique in so many different ways. And so I just, I thank you for everything that you're doing and uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your, your busy schedule to come on the show and chat with me. Of course. Thank you so much for all you do to, you know, shine a light on all these fair trade businesses and all these people who are doing really cool things. It's been really fun to hear other people's stories too. And you're just, I don't know. I love, I love hearing your conversations. Oh, thank you so much. That really means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. Of course. I loved Abby so much and I loved how she was so open and willing to talk about difficult topics that we should be talking about. I really hope this episode got you thinking and was encouraging to you. Be sure to give Abby and Zuri Collection some love on social media this week, and I will have all of their links and information in the show notes. Don't forget to use that coupon code STILLBEINGMOLLY at checkout with Zuri Collection for 15% off your purchase. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome, welcome, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out, and thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Radio Public, Stitcher, Overcast, or whichever podcasting app you like best, and make sure you are subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the podcast. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review of the show? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. And if you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast or tag me at StillBeingMolly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.